0: you
1: your enter as a hero, but leave a fool behind. Whoa. Hello, everyone. What does running sound like to you? For my guest today, it's cackling with laughter, pounding the trails to punk rock and waving around a GoPro, shouting like they're being pursued by a mad pack of, well, punk rockers. It's certainly a far cry from the Kansas of treadmill running, but not out of character for someone who has formed a community for people that don't fit in to the traditional assumptions of what a club runner should look and sound like. In 2006, they reached the 800 metre final in the World Indoor Athletics Championships and set a Welsh indoor record. Only to leave the sport, join a band and tour the world, as you do. More recently, they found their way back to running by combining it with their passion for punk rock. And it's through this unlikely union that they finally found an anarchic, joyful harmony that has brought them the freedom to truly use their talents to spread the mutual love of music, running and... Simply being alive in the world. And it is my absolute delight to now launch into a conversation with them. Um, yeah. I've been really looking forward to this on this hot and sweaty day <laughs> that we've just been talking about. Yeah. So, hello and welcome to Running on Joy.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me. And thank you for a lovely, really nice introduction. It was, uh, as you can tell, I'm a massive fan of words, and all those words put together by yourself were excellent. So, I really enjoyed that.
1: Thank you. I love it when i like, I've got
2: a fan. That's great. I I like that. Yeah, it's cool that you picked up on um, that we kind of don't look or sound like traditional runners, and that it's about capturing joy of life. So I'm glad you picked up on that because that's kind of uh, my thing. That's my thing that I like to shout about on a daily basis.
1: That's great. I've got straight to the thing. That's brilliant.
2: Yeah, when I write a book, you can do the introduction because you, uh, you nailed it.
1: Right. Hold you to that. Okay, <laughs> It's a deal. Yes. OK, I said I was going to put you on the spot a little bit yeah. uh, to start the conversation. Um, so I'm going to ask you, what have you been listening today? And can you give us a 30-second review of it? <laughs>
2: uh, I've, <laughs> I've been listening to my own music today because I'm going in the studio. Uh, tomorrow to finish a solo album so my okay this, se- could <laughs> this could be
1: hilarious this could be great
2: <laughs> my 30 second review would be something like uh, here, here's a man who, who seems to be trying really hard to perfect music He's he seems to be really good at shouting about it but making it himself is kind of a struggle I guess um, it's I'm trying to tell a story through a collection of songs I'm trying to talk about um, uh, well, I'm trying to like just kind of capture a journey in there without it being too obvious. I'm trying to capture um, like a, a movement from like a, a dark place to a happy place. I'm trying to put clues in there, that, like quitting alcohol and stuff, but not making it too obvious. It's kind of sci-fi. It's very weird. It's full of odd poetry. It's got big guitars. It's got a mixture of dance music. There's a few dance tracks on there There's some experimental tracks on there. And quite frankly, I think as a 40 year old man, it's the best music I've ever made. That's that's my 32nd th- review. But I'm going to go in the studio tomorrow with proper music- musicians and it might all change. It might it might become rubbish. No, that's won't.
1: wicked. It it currently sounds like kind of psychedelic Dr. Who.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that it is it is psychedelic. There's a few songs on there which are very psychedelic. Um yeah, I guess there's a bit of Dr. Who in there. That's odd. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I, I think I've become like a, a spoken word psychedelic doctor who wicked
1: on think I think,
2: album, I think yeah. that's
1: got I think that's got a market <laughs> I hope well I,
2: bet, I hope so I've spent far too much time doing it and making music is kind of the one thing that really throws my mental health into turmoil I'm absolutely fine and then I make music and then I get really strange I get really like this crazy hyper focus washes over me and I I can't think of anything else until I finished the project I've started. So um, I kind of haven't put any running videos online since the 25th of May, which is quite a long time for me. Um, Like no, no real Instagram stories, nothing because I'm just so kind of invested in getting these stupid songs done.
1: Is that why you run?
2: Is that? Yeah, yeah, I run. Do you know what I run because I was talking. I was actually talking some- to somebody about this yesterday, and I was talking about being a GB athlete, and he said that must have been really competitive. You must have been constantly com- like competing against others. I said no. I ran for myself, and even when I was running at a high level, it was never about winning. It was just about me doing like better for myself. And that, the kind of sense of being in competition with other people started as soon as I started writing music, <laughs> and I kind of run to get away from that competitiveness, that constantly comparing yourself to other people. When I run, I just compare myself to myself. And that's all that really matters is like how I'm feeling compared to how I ran yesterday. Am I going to do the same loop I did yesterday? Or shall I do the loop I did three weeks ago? And it was a r- really nice smell of cut grass. Like I'm constantly comparing running to other runs I've done. I don't, I'm not thinking about like, oh, what other people have done on their runs. So yeah, I run just to kind of just remind myself that the only thing that really matters is that I'm just kind of just doing things for myself. And like, I can get lost from that, particularly when I'm making music, I think, oh, I'm writing this song for a particular radio DJ in Wales. Or oh, I'm writing this song for a particular listener. And yeah, you just got to remind yourself that you're just doing things for yourself. That's what you're doing.
1: It's really interesting that you launched straight into talking about competition thing. Cause I was actually um, the other day drawn to something that you'd written on Instagram back in March, which probably actually corresponds with when you were last running as well, as yeah. putting <laughs> videos online, but you were you were talking about a photo of you with hair, okay. one, one of the wow. ones with hair, and you yeah. said, this photo is from the 800 metre final at the World Indoor Championships in Moscow. The numbers on my vest add up to 13, and I took that as a sign I'd run well at the competition. This race was 17 years ago today. I could go on about how quickly the time has passed, but that makes it sound like the race is behind me. It doesn't feel that way. I think of these three runners every day who you spoke about in the body of the post, I still think about how it felt to be 24 and competing with the best athletes in the world. How did, what did competition mean to you at that age? And what was your experience of of running then with those athletes?
2: Oh, that's that's a huge question. So oh, it was just like a nice day out. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> it just felt like a really nice day out. And it was always, <laughs> I was kind of always aware that where, where I was from or where I am from in Wales, like in the Ronda Valleys, which is a very rugby, rugby focused part of Wales. I was the only person from there doing this. And I kind of, that took pressure off, you know? if If I came from, a town in Wales, which was full of world class runners. I would always be like, "Oh, you know, I've got a lot to live up to now because my the milkman went running the Olympics, the postman ran in the Commonwealth Games." But it, it, there's no runners where I was from, so I was I was always aware that I'm the only kid from this little town doing this, and I love all these runners. I'm fans of them, like them all. I watch their races, and it's just kind of I get to hang out with people I think are really great and really cool, and have inspired me. And that that's how I saw it, particularly. At the World Championships, there was three runners in my final who I'd watched a lot, watched their races on YouTube, kind of like studied how they run. And I was just thinking, I've got the best seat here. I'm I'm going to run alongside them. So there's no, I wasn't, don't get me wrong, I wanted to win. But I think I only wanted to win because of how funny it would be if I won. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I wasn't thinking I want to win because I want to be the fast, fastest. I was just thinking this would be so funny if I won. I really want to do it just so I can have, I can be put in this really funny situation where I have to, you know, be like, "Oh, that's that's mad! I just I just became world champion and I didn't expect to." But there was no competition; it was just running with people I loved, and yeah, that's why I still think about them because, um, I kind of like when I went away from athletics and I was just in the music world. When I started running again, that race came up a lot in my mind, and just you know, just to tell myself, "You can do this." You're really out of shape; you're really unhealthy, but. Think about what you've done. Think about the people you've run with. And I would go for runs, and they would kind of like I'd feel them on my shoulder and stuff. I would just remember what that what that race felt like, and yeah, nothing competitive about it. It was just like a joyful thing, just like a, a fun thing, like a party.
1: <laughs> I love that, and also. I mean you are hilarious like I was watching one of your yeah. uh, reviews of it's the Huel you know the, the complete meal thing yeah. that, that you have yeah. in the bottle and like I thought I was going to need like one of those urinary incontinence pads like it was <laughs> it was like, literally yeah. had me like snorting away <laughs> looking at my that's cool and, like, that's humor it sounds like humor's always been important to you oh my word
2: like, yeah yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry, no, I it's just like and... what
1: What does it what purpose does it serve in your life? And it's just you
2: know? absurd, absurd. You know, I can watch comedians on telly or a funny thing on telly and I won't laugh because I don't find it absurd because it's kind of well, I've expected this to be funny because it's a comedian or it's a comedy program, and I'll just watch it going, I was, I enjoyed that, but it wasn't funny. But it's when something absurd happens that really, <laughs> it really makes me laugh. So, in a way, I'm kind of I'm built for like the meme generation we're in now. <laughs> Videos of people falling and stuff—that's kind of, <laughs> isn't ridiculous? Like I saw a video earlier of there's a, um, a farm where you can shake hands with otters, and that just had me laughing for ages. I like, just thinking about going to shake hands at otters. So uh, yeah, I just love the ridiculous, and you know, running, reviewing a meal replacement drink while running for me just—it seems ridiculous. So that's I'm going to enjoy doing it, and. I sit down and I write all the reviews. I never used to. I used to just wing them. I used to run and shout loads of stuff and then spend ages editing it. But now I write them beforehand. And I tend to like remember, particularly something like that drink, because it was only maybe like 300, 400 words. I just remembered it. And I was just I was just running around, like having a great, the best time, tipping this banana milkshake all over my face and just laughing. And then just thinking, I'm going to put this on the internet now. <laughs> I'm going to put this on the internet you know I'm a 40 year old man with two kids I'm going to put this video of me running around drinking a milkshake on the internet and that makes me really happy and it, yeah it just makes me it kind of like it's weird right but it motivates me to become a better runner it really does because I think these videos will look even better if I'm running really fast
0: <laughs>
2: so I'm not, I'm not motivated by winning races I'm motivated by can I run and eat something and talk about it at the same time I need to get fit enough to do that that's <laughs> That's what mo- that's what motivates me.
1: I love that as a life goal. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't want to win races. I want to get the point where I can do an all you can eat buffet while running and talking. <laughs> then I know, like, I'm really fit. I'm the fittest man in Wales.
1: I'm just thinking again, because that relates so much to what you're doing with the running club as well, because people have kind of preconceptions of what... Somebody who drinks huel or eats huel or whatever you do with huel might be like, and actually, yeah. as you said, there's someone who's just bringing so much joy to this experience of chatting yeah. around.
2: Yeah, it's funny because <laughs> I did the huel thing because it was a sponsored ad that kept popping up, and I don't work in marketing, but I was just thinking, wow, that's all those ads are putting me off having this drink. So I just thought, I'll I'll give you this is how this is how my brain works, right? I'm like, right, Hewell, I'll do you a favor. I'll make your drink look cool. <laughs> right? That's that's how my brain works. Like, I'll do you a favor. I'll make this little video and I'll, and you can have it. And that's what I did. And then, like, the CEO of Hewell sent me a message. He's like, we're all, we're all in the office laughing, watching it. Here's some free Hewell. And, you know, it's just mad. It's just crazy that it's just so absurd that I can run around the reservoir behind my house, do that. And then the CEO of the company... Who I'm kind of like kind of making fun of as well. <laughs> uh will be like, oh thanks for doing that. I love it. Can we can we share it on our socials? It's just you know, I don't know. There's a lot to be said about uh the, the evils of marketing, the evils of a capitalist world, but that doesn't stop you making fun of it and being their friend at the same time. I think that's like just like a nice way to do it. You know? Oh,
1: absolutely. And let's just put this also in in the context of your your main kind of running a music content which are the running reviews that you put out on youtube and for people who haven't watched them what's the what's the premise of them and where did they where did they start where did that idea come from
2: okay so it's basically i do for music like say you're watching telly and someone is frying bacon on telly on tv your mouth will start watering from the sound of it you can't smell it you can just hear the bacon sizzling and your mouth will start watering If you're a vegan, like a vegan equivalent, I kind of do that with music. I try and make your year's water by (laughs) describing music you can't hear. So uh, it came about in lockdown and before lockdown. So I started running again in 2019. Okay. And over that, over the first year of running, it had such a positive impact on my life. It stopped me drinking alcohol, which was like a big problem for me. And... All of a sudden, when lockdown hit March or wherever, March or April, I felt like running was outlawed. You know what I mean? It was like things that people say, you know, runners are spreading COVID because they, they breathe in and they pant in when they run in. So running became this thing that was like, oh, you, you shouldn't really be doing it at the moment. And I, I got really scared because I thought I'm going to be stuck in a house. I can't run. I'm going to start drinking again. So I needed something to take my mind off what was going on because. Like, we didn't know what was happening with COVID, did we? It's, it's easy to forget how we felt, but, like, I thought the world was ending. I genuinely did. You know, we didn't know what was going on, so it was really scary. So I was like, right, I need to do something to take my mind off what's happening so I can just go out running and enjoy it. So I was thinking, I'm going to run and I'm going to listen to an album I've never heard before, and then I'm just going to write a little review. I'm going to do a little post and just say, today I ran listening to London Calling by The Clash, and this is what I thought. And I was thinking about that, and then, I was coming back from the shops. I went to the, I went to Co-op, and I was coming back from Co-op, and I was thinking, oh, maybe I should just like for my own for my own purpose, I might just film it, so I've got this document of me listening to something for the first time, like just so I can kind of look back on it, and be like oh, that's the first time I listened um, to Spice Girls or whatever. And I'm thinking, no, nah, no, nah, if I'm gonna do something like that, I need to go on the internet. So. I thought, right, I'm going to run and I'm going to review music and I'm going to put it on the internet. So before I start, I'm going to have a look at how other people do it. That was my thing. Like, I'm going to see how other people do it. And then I got home and I Googled, like, man runs and talks about music and nothing came up. And I just kept looking. And I was like, I was thinking, nobody else is doing it. I've I've invented something. I mean, I've, I've invented a way of reviewing music. So I went out straight away and did a Spice Girls album. I like, you know, listened to Spice Girls album for the first time and just talked about it. They weren't as unhinged as they are now. I was kind of just like jogging and just talking about Spice Girls. And I put it online and the response immediately was amazing. And it got people running because it was like a time where gyms were closed and people wanted to exercise. And I just noticed that this little four minute video I made had got people running. And I was I was just thinking, that, like something's happening here. You know, I, I spent a lot of time like writing songs, trying to write like a really a song that will resonate with people and I've never really been successful. And then I can jog around my hometown, listen to Spice Girls. And it seems to resonate with loads of people. So I was immediately drawn to, Oh, I'm doing something now. that is connecting with people. Let's keep on going. So that, that's, yeah, that was 2020, so 2020. So three years ago now, and I've been doing it ever since.
1: That's bringing something to people. Have there been any revelations for you also through doing it?
2: Oh my God, big time. It's, um, it's weird, okay, so when I was running, when I was like an elite athlete, I fell out of love with running. So I was doing the thing I love and I fell out of love with it. Then when I was a musician, I was doing it at a good level, like almost earning a living from it. And I fell out of love with music, right? <laughs> so I was thinking, what, whatever, I, if I do what I love, I seem to fall out of love with it. What, Like what's going on here? And then all of a sudden by talking about music and running at the same time, I fell in love with running and music again. You know, I just realized that my issue was that I was doing them separately from each other. I need to do them together. And yeah, that was a massive revelation for me. It's like that being creative um, and really kind of listening and thinking about music and in a way, like absorbing other people's music to create your own goes really well with running. And I'd never seen that. I'd never connected the two together I just thought you're a runner you're a musician you those two things don't exist together so for me even though running punks already existed for me that whole thing was the moment that running punks actually running and music joined and it became like what what the the community is called it was like running punks it was musicians who run and it was yeah it was amazing for me and I just I fall in love with music my my music taste has changed I listen to like I'm just much more willing to listen to stuff I've never listened to before and it's yeah, it's been it's been incredible.
1: How did Kendrick Lamar stop you from drinking?
2: So, um I was I was when um what was the name? Uh Good Kid Mad City came out, I bought it straight away because of the reviews. And I wasn't sure if I liked it. Um uh, because there was a lot of Religion on there, a lot of honesty on it, which I wasn't really used to with hip hop. You know, I kind of listened to. I wasn't a massive hip hop fan, but I liked hip hop because of a sense of like bigging yourself up, the arrogance, the cockiness, the 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 word play. And then I was like, listen, listen to this album that so many people raved about, and I was like, it's not hasn't really got much of that on it. I don't think it's for me. And then I listened to uh, I bought to pimp a butterfly, which came out. And I was listening to that I was like, this is a bit better, this is a bit better, but I still wasn't a massive fan. And then I listened to this thing when I started running again called Dissect, which is a podcast about um, analysing the lyrics in music. So when I first started running, I was like, I don't really want to run to music because I wasn't really a massive music fan again at that time. I started listening to this podcast with a guy talking about lyrics and one of the ones on there was Kendrick Lamar. I said, like, oh, I'll give her a go. Maybe it'll convince me to like Kendrick Lamar. And as he was just discussing the themes... Um, and like the hidden hidden meanings in the songs and stuff. One thing that kept coming up was that Kendrick Lamar was sober. I was like, what? That's mad. Like The biggest rapper in the world is sober. And then I really kind of, I knew that I wanted to stop drinking. And then all of a sudden I just had this artist I could listen to who'd put out three albums by then, four albums by then. I could listen to his music on my own, kind of try and interpret them in my own way, knowing that this man was sober and he was kind of, Inspiring people around the world through his music, so Kendrick Lamar really became like this, my sober hero. You know, it really did, and I I kept listening to him. And days when I wanted to drink, I would listen to songs we reference his, like the dangers of alcohol. And yeah, so it, I feel like it, was, it sounds so mad, and I'm sure Kendrick Lamar fans around the world will say the same. But I felt like he was speaking to me to help me through wherever I was, what was going, wherever I was going through, and I I know. That's one of the reasons like so many people love him, because they feel like he's helping you personally through through tough times, which is so mad. I would, someone who grew up listening to Brit Pop and stuff, I would never say that uh, I would listen to music and feel like the people making that music are speaking to me because I was listening to Supergrass and Blue and it's just like felt like party music, you know? So yeah, it was a revelation really.
1: You say that music and running combined sort of saved you from drinking. Yeah, drinking. Were you grieving kind of the loss of running and your relationship with music when you started drinking?
2: Yeah, totally. I didn't see it at the time. It would have been I would have been some kind of wizard to be in that whirlwind and be calm enough to realize what was going on, Mm. because I had no idea what was going on. I was just kind of I was, you know, I was 25 years old. I'd gone from finishing six in the World Championships to suddenly sleeping on floors in people's houses, sleeping in the back of transit vans, you know, and just drinking a lot of alcohol. And I didn't realize until afterwards, but what I was doing was maybe like realizing that I've made the wrong decision here. (laughs) I've made the wrong decision. But what's worse than that is I've gone too far and I can't can't turn back because I was getting older and you know, one of the things I was a, I was a lottery funded athlete. So one of the things I had was lab testing where they work out how old you'll be when you peak so they can work out how old you're going to be when you run your fastest 800 meters. So for me, it was 30 years old, which was the same year as London Olympics. So I had this prediction that I was I could run one minute 43. That's what they estimated I could run at 30 years old. So usually it wouldn't have happened in 2012 because David Radisha won it in 140 or something. But usually like a 143 would win the Olympics. So I had this crazy thing going on where I was drinking, I was doing a lot of drugs and I was partying a lot. And I was looking, not looking at the clock, but I was aware that I'm one year close at the 30 now and I should be doing this, you know? And that made me, yeah, I guess I grieve what I'd lost And also just be really self-destructive because I didn't want to, I didn't want my head or anything to be quiet enough to actually think about what I meant. I really didn't want to, you know, like the the minute I felt like I was getting close to thinking about that was the minute I went on the pub.
1: Do you think there was part of you that feared success in a way?
2: Yeah, totally. I think part of me fears and still does little gains, you know, I hate that. I hate that idea that you can make big gains. And then you've suddenly got to knuckle down to make these little improvements. I, As a runner, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything worse. I couldn't think of anything worse because my my kind of journey through athletics was so quickly, so quick, you know, like knocking three seconds off a season and and running for gripper in in 800 within like three years of doing it It was like so quick. And I loved that because part of my thing was like, I'm having a good time. and doing something different. And that really added to my sense, like I'm doing something unexpected. This is brilliant. The minute then it was like, right, you need to to eat fish and chips less. (laughs) You need to sleep in an altitude tent. You need to um, have more iron in your diet. You need to have more sleep. I was like, oh, all right. I don't think I'm really ready for that. Like that's, that's, you know, yeah, it was just that idea that, I don't know, little gains kind of mean you don't get that rush of, having a big breakthrough like realizing that, that was kind of going to go and it's going to be about these little improvements and yeah I'm still I still struggle with that idea now you know particularly now like writing an album writing songs I'll send the songs to people who I respect their opinions on and they'd be like you know if you just tweak this a little bit it'd be a better song and i am be like oh, I can't be asked I can't be bothered I can't, I can't be, and I have to teach myself right is People's feedback is important. Go Open our song back up on Logic, go in there and just change that little thing they've suggested and have a look. And I'm willing to do it now because I know how drastic it can be if you decide not to do it.
1: I mean, some people really find that motivating, that chasing the marginal gains, it's kind of addictive in in a different way. And you sort of had the reverse of that in a way. (laughs) Um.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like I'm on Duolingo. As as, As soon as I've learned food, I give up because because <laughs> it seems like such a big gain to learn food in a foreign language i'm like i can go out and eat i can go to the shops and then when it's about learning uh like i don't know how to say things differently if it's like at uh, him or her i'm like oh no that's that's just a little gain. i can't be bothered with that i know the big bits i know <laughs> i know how to say food and clothes it's, just, it's definitely part of me definitely i feel like if i did a skydive I would I would not want to hit the ground. I'd want to just keep on falling out of the plane for the first few seconds because that's that's the great that's the coolest bit. I'm like, can I just go back up and keep jumping out the plane for a little bit? I don't want to land. That's me.
1: <laughs> How do you feel now though about that name, Jimmy Trainwreck?
2: <laughs> How do I what, feel about it? Yeah,
1: looking back uh, at
2: it, he was alright. He was alright. He was good. Was, I mean, I made a lot of friends because of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I do kind of channel him now and again. There was there was a guy being really rude to staff in waitros in London yesterday, and I channeled Jimmy Trainwreck by telling him to shut up. <laughs> so, and now I know I've got him there. as like a trump card. I can yeah, I can do this. I can do this sober. but no, it was um, overall. Or thinking back, it's pretty embarrassing. You know the things I the things I did, the places I took my trousers off. <laughs> um, The number of drinks I spilt on the floor. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing, really. And I, yeah, it's not, I thought it was, I thought it was like a badge of honor to be called a train wreck, but no, no. Like, you know, if my son, oh, my my nickname's Tommy Train Wreck. I'm like, no, no, you need to stop. Whatever it is you're doing to get that (laughs) nickname, you need to stop. You need to stop.
1: Get off the train. Get
2: off the train. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah.
1: But I think, I can't remember who it was, whether it's, might be Joan Didion but I don't I wouldn't put my name to that he said that we should always be on nodding terms with the people that we once were and that's cool I I read from like an account that you wrote about the world championships that it it sounds like running kind of stayed with you even though you kind of walked away from it it, it stayed with you and when what was the point that you suddenly realized what it had given you, and then how did you go through that process of finding your way back to it? And what did it feel like when you started again? Apart from maybe hurting a little bit. Like...
2: <laughs> it hurt a lot. Uh that that was um on my oh I just had uh, cramp in my knee then. <laughs> talking about getting old <laughs> oh my god. Um that was on my 36th birthday um, I had for a present I had a framed photo which you can see behind me I asked for it which is a really cocky thing to ask for, for your birthday but I asked for like a framed photo of myself running as you can see there's two there uh, yeah. there's me on the start line and me running in the race uh, the final of the world championships I asked for it because um, I started going to the gym because I realised I'm never going to run again so I just want to get massive so nobody messes with me <laughs>
1: So, that man in waitrose
2: <laughs> yeah i would have i showed him who's boss oh he was kicking off because the cold meat wasn't cold enough genuinely and he was being really rude ah oh, anyway um so i i i set him straight uh so i started going to the gym because i just wanted to be hench and like the hardest man in wales and <laughs> i i oh this generally like that's how my brain works i was like i just want to be bulletproof i want to be like a rhinoceros and um <laughs> I started seeing a physio because I was like just bulking up so much. Like I was, I was aching. So I went to see a physio and I don't know. I still think that someone told him that I used to be a runner, but he started massaging my legs and he's like, oh, did you used to be a runner? Like, That's a weird thing. Like i literally just met you. And and I was like, yeah, I, I did. And then he, he, he did this whole thing about how, um, like, I told him what I'd done as a runner. He's like, oh, everybody must be really proud. I bet you've got lots of stuff at home, like your vest at home and pictures. I was like, there's no, there's, there's nothing running related in my house at all. at all." And he said, um, it was really odd. And I know him well, and I see him a lot for physio. But at the time, it was odd. Now I just know it's him. He's just like the, such a kind kind person. And he was like, be nice to yourself. Just get a photo of yourself as a runner and put it up in the house. And I had... My son had just been born at the time. She was like, your son will grow up seeing that and he'll be proud of you. You'll see it every day and you'll be proud of what you've done. So, okay, that's a cool idea. That's definitely better than a pair of skinny jeans or a Hollister t-shirt. So I'll ask for it. (laughs) (laughs) So I asked for it and I got it, which I couldn't believe. I was like, "Ah, that's amazing. And then I put a photo online. Um, I was like, it's my birthday today. Look what I had. This is great. And then someone... Commented below the photo saying, "Oh, here's here's a video of the race. I was actually watching it the other day." I was like shit, I've never, I've never seen. Am I allowed to swear? By the way, I done quite well to get this far in my first first swear, but so I was like, "Shit, I've never seen this race." Um, so I I was upstairs having a pee at the time, looking at my phone while peeing. So men can multitask, by the way. And then <laughs> I came downstairs and I said to my wife, um, because she didn't know me when I was a runner. She only met me when I was a musician. So I was like, Do you want to see this race? This is this is me running in the world championships. Like, oh yeah, let's have a look. I can't wait to see this. So we put we put it on and I watched it. And the race started. And in, in my head, I knew how the race went. Okay. The number of times pubs all over the world, I've bored random strangers by telling them how this race went. Okay. I've told them oh, I was yeah, I just went for it. The gun went, I went to the front and I just led it all the way around. And then they, they beat me in the final straight. That's how I thought the race went. Uh, and then I watched it and I was like, that is nothing how I remember this race. Happened. That, Like I was at the back, then I went to the front and I was watching it and this weird thing was happening where I realized that for 13 years or ever, I've been telling myself that race happened in a different way. So I was kind of watching it for the first time and reliving it for the first time. You know, there's bits where, even though I knew the result, I was like, he's going to do it. He's going to win it. He's going to win it. And the race finished. And I, I was thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. I didn't know that's right idea. Did. I didn't know that at certain parts of the race, I was, like, pushing the pace again. And I was trying to go past the Olympic champion on the bend. You know, little things like that. And I was like, that's mad. That's mad that I did that. So I was like, watch again. We need to watch it again. That was great. Let's watch it again. <laughs> and there's a little bit at the start of the race where, I'm on the start line and I smile and I wave to the camera and my wife said, Oh, I recognize it looks nothing like you, but I recognize you because of the smile. And I said, like, what, what the hell does that mean? And I realized that the thing that connects that 24 year old me running in the final world championships and the 36 year old me, who's trying to be built like a rhinoceros and is saying, running, I'm never running again. The thing that connects the two people is when he's happy, you know, like when, just when he's happy. So when I'm happy, I'm the same as I was when I was 24. So all of a sudden, oh, like all of a sudden, it became being running again became about just I need to be happy. It wasn't about I need to lose weight. I need to I need to watch all these shoe reviews and buy the the best shoes. I need to training plan. It was like no, I just need to do what makes me happy. If I do what makes me happy, I'll be like that 24 year old again. And that was how I started running again because it became, like I said, not about a fitness thing or or anything like no technique didn't matter it was like i just need to go out and do something that makes me happy and i just started running and i was like wasn't measuring how far i was going i was jogging on the street and i was just like oh, this is great i'm loving it and every day i knew that each run was getting me closer to that 24 year old version and it was so easy to stay motivated i wasn't losing weight i wasn't getting any faster but i just knew that i was getting happier and i was getting closer to that 24 year old version and then four or five months in I started improving and it was like amazing. Like i just done all this because I watched the race I was in, realised I'd be lying to myself about how it went and now I need to make myself happy and that's that's all that happened. Life, life isn't about being happy. Like you're not going to be happy your whole life. I know lots of people think like, oh, happiness is... A... No, I, I think like just confidence and comfort in yourself is the most important thing. And by doing that, you will find this other type of happiness, which isn't like a manic happiness, which is how I felt when I was drunk, like just like this maniac I was like, "Yo, oh, I'm so happy. I'm going to buy everybody drinks. It's just, no, just kind of just going for a little run and just thinking, oh, I really enjoyed that run. That's, that's happiness for me. And that, you know, I wasn't smiling on the start line, like a clown. I was smiling on the start line, like a 24 year old who was really nervous, but I knew that I'm kind of happy doing this. And that is different types of happiness for me. It's just like, yeah, this is enough. This will do. And just knowing that it doesn't have to be like this crazy thing where you buy a jet ski and you get hay implants and you get new teeth. That's not going to make you happy. It can be something really little like, I don't know, like eating a full pack of Tic Tacs in one go. Just something like that will make you really happy. It doesn't have to be a massive gesture or statement. It can just be, oh, I'm quite content. And that will that's more likely to make you improve, I think, if you just chase contentment, satisfaction.
1: So I've got to ask, have you eaten a whole pack of
2: Tic Tacs? Yeah, or... lords. Yeah, lords. Is uh, that a thing? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do it to impress my son. I'm like, watch this now. I eat a whole pack of Tic Tacs, and he's like, wow, <laughs> you're the you're the coolest dad. Like, I know, I know. You tell all of those other kids in school <laughs> that their dad can't do this. Um, I've got lots of weird food related things. I was working in a pub, and I was the only person there, and I got a peanut stuck in my ear. Um, you know, that's like just me and food is just a disaster.
1: My mother got like, well, she thought that I put a grapevine in her ear when I was younger. <laughs> she was convinced that this had happened, so we had to go to A and sit for hours <laughs> and hours. It turned out I just like throwing the grapevines and the grapes on the floor and it had just like been picked up by the dog or something. But she was convinced that the grapevine was inside her ear and a doctor told her that there might there might be a chance that this massive
2: wow. thing had got
1: inside her ear. So yeah, we spent, we spent a good few hours in Northampton General Hospital. It was when I was very little, by the way. Like No, this wasn't like yesterday, was like, kind of <laughs> <laughs> shy, yeah. having grapevines in my mother's ear. But it sounds also like, with running punks a bit like what we were saying with flipping narratives in terms of you know chasing marginal gains and things you've kind of taken all what was kind of bad about running and, and music and, and flipped them on their heads so kind of what yeah where there was competition now it's run at your own speed where there was guilt and self-destruction there's now motivation from the music would you yeah. say that kind of flipping things is kind of part of your philosophy and how how's running punks kind of originated from that
2: yeah flipping things is definitely part of my personal uh, my personality my Just philosophy flipping. <laughs> flipping let's Just take flip it in. as
1: an abstract rather than you know what can you flip yeah. <laughs> although that could yeah. be a cool video some something yeah that'd be what a good can video J- what can jimmy flip <laughs> oh, what
2: Can I flip? that's a good idea i might do that can i flip a postcode <laughs> can i <laughs> And I change the postcodes in this time? Uh, uh yeah, flipping things is massive for me, massive. Because maybe it comes down to my like I was saying earlier about um reviewing a drink while running. Maybe it comes down to my desire to kind of flip the narrative that we're being told, you know? Uh but yeah, because I think just for me, it's kind of I've been able to change the way I approach problems in my life by flipping how I think about it so it was always about here's an example right it's always about giving up alcohol everybody's like you need to quit alcohol you need to give up alcohol all of a sudden I realized that no I need to just do something else instead so instead of quitting something I need to do more things you know that's that's flipping in and that's it's not about giving stuff up it's about doing more things so when I think oh I'd love to go to the pub and drink it's like no I tell you what just read a really random scientific paper, read something about someone thinking the sun has a brain or the sun is conscious, read it, and just do something mad like that. And that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. It's just, just yeah, just like do more stuff, just flip things, Um, you know, getting healthy, or running again wasn't about losing weight, it was just about being happy. So yeah, just flipping things like that is like a big, a big part of my philosophy. And not intentionally, it's just, you know, I guess by flipping things, it becomes a little absurd and I'm always attracted to the absurd. Uh So Running Punks was, it was Rodri's idea. So Running Punks, the two of us, is me and Rodri. And he said, oh, I've got this idea Um, where we, me, me and him were going to be these Running Punks, right? So we were going to like turn up to racism, almost like the big hairy bikers of the running world. I'm like, yeah, we're the Running Punks. <laughs> uh That was our yeah. idea. And kind of, he kept saying about a running community. And I was like, I have no idea what you're on about. What the hell is like, what the hell is a running community? Who wants to run as a community? Because up until then, I'd done all my running on my own. Uh, I did not get it. And he sent me some examples like Lonely Goat. He's like, look at these. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand what's going on. But I trusted Rodri. Uh, I trusted his idea that a community could exist so I did my own thing and I was just like doing his reviews and just presenting my idea what running is about and he kind of not managed the community but kept tabs on people like who were interacting like sharing posts and stuff like that and then through this bit of teamwork of me just being a nutter and him being quite sensible we were kind of getting people to communicate with each other talk to each other and then this community just grew and it was is 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 it blows my mind. I feel like I was I was saying this to someone the other day, you know the song Seven Nation Army by White Stripes. Um, someone asked Jack White, what's it like to go to a sporting event, like any sporting event in the world, and someone will start singing Seven Nation Army or they start playing it. And he's he says, I generally don't recognize it as my own song. It's become a folk song. Like it's owned, it's owned by the people now. I kind of just happen to be the person. Who channeled this song and recorded it. As mad as that sounds. I'm just the person. This song came through me and I recorded it. And now it's a folk song. Not to the same level of that song. But Running Punks feels like that to me now. Like when I see people running in a Running Punks top. I don't think. That's my son shouting. I don't think me and Roger created that. I just think that's another person like me. That's another person who runs and enjoys the same things I do. So yeah, it's just become this. We started it. It grew, and now it's just his own thing, and it's something which motivates me and inspires me daily. There can be a pain in the ass sometimes. You know, I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to take a selfie with everyone, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I get it. I get it. You're a runner. I'm sick of seeing your face every day. No, I don't think that. It's There's lots of things. It's given me um, a responsibility even even speaking as a father, but it's given me a responsibility, which is something I never expected, you know, and things like I would never maybe like part of me thinks maybe I would have stopped running by now. I would have got fit and healthy and stopped, but I can't because of the running punks community and not not in terms of like I'm one of the leaders of running punks. It's kind of like, no, I, I just want to be part of it. Uh, I don't. One of the reasons I won't drink alcohol is because I've become so superstitious about the success of running punks being related to me being sober. <laughs> I'm like, I can't drink now because if I'm quite a superstitious person and I, I'm going to jinx it by drinking alcohol. So in in a very strange way, it's daily. It motivates me and inspires me to be the best version of myself I can. Definitely doesn't make me want to hang out with them and go for runs and have picnics or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, it, I, it does not make me think, oh, I'm... I really want to run up a hill with these people and have a selfie as the sun sets. No, I don't want any of that. But I want to be part of it in my own little way, you know. Sometimes I think when I do run running punks, I think I don't even think they like me, you know. Like I'll run, with, I'll do a, tra- I did a trail run with them recently, and I was there, with my GoPro filming it, and then I sat in the car before leaving, and I was like, I don't even think they like me. <laughs> You know, and that that's put that was that really made me happy. Then I was like, I think that's great. Then maybe they think I'm a bit of a dickhead, but they still keep wearing the merch and they still run together, kind of despite the fact that I'm an idiot. So yeah, it's cool.
1: The more of a dickhead they think I am, the less selfies they might take. (laughs) I know,
2: I know. Oh, I I get it. Like you, they're all into hugging trees at the moment, and they're all they're all into taking selfies in the toilet. Crack on, but I. I, I won't be doing any of that. I'm sorry, I won't.
1: Do you have a sort of vision for for running punks, or is it just going to organically take on its own? It's going to kill me. Oh, it me. might kill
2: you. <laughs> uh, yeah. My, what's what's my vision for running punks? It will kill me. Um, I don't have a vision for it. No, I don't I don't. I don't know. Um, I just just keep on. Just keep. I think. I think. I mean, if I was, if me and Rodri were talking, you know, having our little Running Punks meetings and, and we'd be like, what's our vision for Running Punks? It would be that the community is always at the, the heart of it. It never becomes about me and Rodri trying to make millions, <laughs> millions of pounds from it, which we never will because we don't make much money from it at all. We kind of pay ourselves enough, which warrants the amount of time we spend glued to our phones. <laughs> uh, and everyone like I pre- hates
1: you, so they're not gonna pay you for it. it Everybody doesn't. hates
2: me. Uh, so I would say like yeah, for it just to be this thing where the community is the center of it. But apart from that, I just I just want the merch to keep on looking cool. I I I you know, I just want it to look good. I I'd love and this is only an idea that was planted in my head by a friend called James T, who's one of the best middle distance coaches in the country he said to me there's only a matter of time till there's a running punk olympian so someone whose mum and dad are a running punk and then that gets the kid into running and then the kid goes on to run olympics and that i love that like that's amazing that's amazing to just think that and it's possible because we've got kids range out now, very, very reasonably priced on the website. But I'm seeing kids doing junior park runs in running punk stops. And I'm just thinking one or two of those could go on to run the Olympics. And that that is yeah, that's my thing. That's that's the thing that motivates me. Because probably because if I was a running punk and I had the running punk mentality, as a 24-year-old, I would never have quit athletics. Mm-hmm. You know, because I would just thought, no, there is a place for me in this sport. I'm a running punk and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that like, I'm being told off for drinking too much Guinness. I'm a running punk. I'm going to do it my own way and I'm doing it for the love of it. So I honestly think that if some kind of time machine could be built, so I was a running punk, I would have kept on going. I would have kept on running until I was 30 on the track, definitely. If social media existed when I was an athlete, I would have kept on doing it because I would have been such a thing for getting loads of likes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go to the track and doing these. i got to do a really good montage of my track session and my top off. But, you know what I mean, like, you know, people running their tops off? Stop it. So, when have you ever taken a, a t shirt off and thought, oh my god, I'm so much lighter? <laughs> when. It's like You don't get changed for bed and think, I'm so much lighter now, I've taken my clothes off. So why do you do it when you run in? I don't get it. Um <laughs> But if social media was about when I was an athlete, I would have, it would honestly, right, probably have motivated me to keep on going because I would have just loved creating kind of the content I'm doing now, but as a GB athlete would have been amazing. And I would have done it as well. I would have been in the Olympic Village running around reviewing bread or something. I know I would have done it. And I kind of, that would have been, that would have shown me that there's a place for me in the sport because people outside the sport would react to it. But the problem is you got like when you're when you run that level, you're just doing terrible interviews with Sally Gunnell or something, and you never know how people have reacted to your interview. You never know. You, you just you just talk on it and you say something silly. That's it. But if you knew that people watching the sport liked you as a character, it would have motivated you. All you kind of have is coaches and stuff at the time saying, Oh, you need to like maybe just calm it down a bit. You know but uh, there's a big thing to know that there are people out there who like you for who you are i think or not in my case or not path. in
1: your case yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much about this is about kind of seeing yourself represented and, yeah. and and then feeling like you can be included in a group so what would kind of your message be to people who don't consider themselves a runner or doesn't see themselves fitting into a running Great.
2: um i think you are everybody's a runner it doesn't matter how fast you're going you're if if it's a little bit faster than a walk you're a runner <laughs> you know what i mean like you, you don't say like so-and-so is a really good hairdresser because they only cut people a really long hair it doesn't matter how long the person's hair is if you just trim it you're a hairdresser so i don't understand why we have to measure and time people's runs if you just run you're a runner you know like if you could be a hairdresser in the valleys where almost all men are bald but you're still a hairdresser you're no less of a hairdresser <laughs> you know less of a hairdresser than someone who does the catwalk in paris in my opinion um so that's that's what running is like it doesn't like don't stop comparing yourself to people who've got millions of subscribers on youtube or people who win races you you you're a runner because you put your trainers on and you go out a little bit faster than a walk um and i i think um why would you want to fit in with a running club because running clubs <laughs> and strava are slowly turning the running world into golf like i've got this thing where <laughs> strava is kind of wherever you live and you go going strava is turned where you live into a golf course so you've got all these loops and then you've got all these things like so-and-so did it in this time, which is like the equivalent of saying this this loop is a par four and you've just you've just done a birdie or you've just done... I don't really know much about golf. I don't know if this terminology makes sense, but I just feel like every time you go for a run with Strava, you're able to look at what someone else has done it in. What's the average thing to do this run in? And then be like, oh, it's below average today, which is how people who play golf think. Now, how boring are people who play golf? You don't want to be like that. You're a running punk or you're just a runner. You just want to run for yourself. It doesn't... It doesn't matter. All right, put the golf clubs away and just put your trainers on. Like the most important thing as a runner is just remember where you live. That's all you got to do. You just got to remember where you live. <laughs> <laughs> People like, oh, what any rec- do you recommend what gels? What's the best hydration vest? I have no idea, but I can tell you the one thing you need to worry about is remembering where you live. Because if you go out that door and you can't remember where you, where you need to go back to, then you're going to struggle. <laughs> no amount of hydration vests will save you when you just have no idea where you left.
0: <laughs> ah, it's kind of like
2: no n- if you if you go to a run club and you feel like you don't fit in i'm sorry but there's a good chance that's a you problem okay it's i, I don't think people are going to be judging you i don't think anybody really is going to be looking at you and and judging you i i personally i've never felt that oh my god people are judging me here. um you need to work out that you're just doing it for yourself and as soon as you are comfortable and confident in that, you can just run with anybody. And I think that's what Running Punks is about. You know, you can just go run with any running punk because you know that you're all in it for the same thing. That's what I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Is some of your finding your way back to music and the form that that's taking kind of a bit of an embodiment of that as well? Yeah, go on. yes, please. Joyce briefly? Because I'm interested... Let's talk about Joyce, because I'm interested, first of all, in the name and whether that that is an affinity to the famous writer. And if you're kind of, I sort of feel like you're channeling this idea of multiple voices, life experiences and kind of ghosts of past selves. There. Big is time, big time. So you?
2: I'm going to show you something, but obviously people listening to the podcast can't see it. All right. So that's James Joyce's Ulysses. Oh, he's got James that's Joyce's, Joyce's Ulysses. And that's like everybody knows what that book is, right? And everybody wants to claim they've read it. But you can't read that book without something like this. You know? So I was, I was going through this whole thing of thinking, I really want to make music. um, But in the past, it's been a really toxic and bad thing for me to do. So I need to work out why I'm doing it. why am i doing this like what am i going to get from this what how is it going to benefit me and at the time of me thinking like that i was plowing through james joyce because i had a guide to how to read james joyce and i was thinking i just need to have this kind of guide to my own my own art my own life so that's why i picked the name joyce because the moment of just realizing that really difficult challenges a difficult challenge can be made a lot easier if you just Take your own advice and someone else's advice. So that's that's what Joyce is for me. It's a lot of, I'm doing it on my own, but every song that I put out, every song that I write, is because of the help of other people explaining things how they can be a little bit better. So, in the past, I've always written in bands I've been in before. It's like I'm writing this song. I don't ki- I like I'm just gonna do it my own way. But now it's a lot like a bit like the running punks community. I guess it's, I'm gonna ask people I respect like for feedback on it and and yeah. So. Joyce got the name from James Joyce and how just that moment of reading a guided book allowed me to read a really difficult book so it was just about overcoming something which was difficult and that's what Joyce means for me.
1: Mm, It's a bit like what we were saying with being, being on good terms with the people we once were. Is music now kind of serving that purpose for you? Being on good terms with Who you are. Yeah, definitely.
2: I mean, for starters, it's really different to write music from a sober place. (laughs) Um, Something I never thought that I could do. I thought I'd have to get a shit face (laughs) to write a song, but doing stuff sober. And yeah, I've no doubt that when the music comes out, I'm going to feel like shit because it's not going to do as well as I thought. And I'm going to see other bands. particularly. It's always like a Welsh thing for me. I just look at other bands in Wales doing stuff and. Seem to be getting loads of things. But that's I just have to accept that's just the music industry, that's just the way it, go, it goes. So yeah, I feel like it's just giving that nod to like the really shitty person in the band I used to be and thinking, look, you're doing this. Maybe me. I don't know if I am wiser. Definitely calmer and definitely more willing to accept any failure that comes with it. And kind of, I know that if any success comes with it, I won't go, I won't go crazy. I won't go down the pub. And drink 10 pints of heineken and smash the place up so yeah it's kind of just going like i'm still doing this i know there's gonna be bits (laughs) of it which suck and i know that things about it could be good but either way i won't let it get the best of me that's kind of where i'm at with it
1: do you ever think of yourself as poetic because there are there are elements of so you know i i've gone there i've listened to things like forward by mike Sheen, and there's there's lines like, I'm slipping through your lungs and into the lap of God. And then there's these absurdist elements of blowing bubbles through fun Nigel Slater pepper grinder. And it feels <laughs> like it's at once poetic. And then also it seems like music is a place that you can also play. Words are a place that you can play.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I never think of it as poetic. I Again, it's the absurd and it's something that just makes me laugh that... Blowing bubbles through a Nigel Slater pepper grinder just makes me laugh so much. When I, when it popped into my head, I had like this melody, and I was like trying to think, what? Uh, uh, blowing bubbles into Nigel Pepper Nigel Slater pepper grinder. I was just like, oh, that's cool, that's funny. And then I just did it. And then when that song came out, like a few people messaged me, going, that's that's like one hell of a lyric. It's an amazing lyric. So I don't think of myself as poetic. I just, I just, I just feel like, oh, that that's struck me in a certain way. So I'm going to stick with it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. Like a lot of responses to the running reviews would be, this is really poetic, but I don't think it, I just, again, it's just, if something makes me feel something, I'll, I'll, I'll stick it in the review or I'll stick it in the song. If, if I get, if I feel something from it, which I guess, I guess that's what poetry is, isn't it? I'm a big reader of poetry but I would never think, oh, I'm going to sit down and write a poem.
1: Have you read any Eileen Miles?
2: No, I haven't. No. I haven't. I'm looking at my bookshelf there. No, I haven't.
1: You should read her stuff. She's like my favourite punk poet.
2: Okay, yeah. Send me, a, send me a link. I'll I'll check it out. I love... Who's on my shelf at the moment? Oh, i got so many on there. Um... Oh, yeah, excuse me. I'm just gazing. Oh, um, Elizabeth Bishop is one of my favourites. You know Elizabeth Bishop?
1: Yeah, yeah, I love Elizabeth Yeah, Bishop.
2: she's so good. Elizabeth Bishop. Uh, and there's one I really love. I can't remember her name. I can't remember her name. If I can, I'm looking for her now. Oh, Rebecca Tamas. Have you read Rebecca Tamas?
1: Oh, she's A. Oh, she wrote Witch. That's yeah, the one. Brilliant. Witch. Wicked. Do you know yeah. Witch?
2: I flick to a random poem in Witch and read it every time before I leave the door for a running review. Because I feel it puts my brain in this gear. Yeah. So which? Have you read her non-fiction book, Strangers? Oh my word!
1: I saw her in I saw her in a bookshop once because she's uh, she knows someone that I do no. and I I had one I had one of those moments where I was just like I think I love Yeah! You. Oh my god! <laughs> like, totally. My friend was just like, yeah. "Don't do this! Don't do this! You're embarrassing everyone." Do you know what
2: I had? A, I had a Twitter conversation with her years ago about because in Strangers she talks about panpsychism, and I'm convinced that I wouldn't have uh stuck to running or running wouldn't have helped me as much if i'd run in a city i think the fact that i was running in in the countryside really helped me and and i had these moments before even knowing what panpsychism was i had these moments on runs where i felt like <laughs> i felt like i was like commu- or things around me understood me like do you know what i mean i, I had these moments where i thought oh, the trees get it or the river like i had I was, there's there's like some kind of mind there and we get each other and then she mentions panpsychism in this book. And I sent her a message saying, that's blown my mind because I didn't know what that was. Do you recommend any other books? And she sent me a list of books about panpsychism, which I just read. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. This is a this is a thing. Yeah, she's cool.
1: This is why all the running punks are hugging the trees. Now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, they're allowed to hug trees. Maybe I forgive them for that.
1: Um, before I ask my final question, which I ask all my guests, where can people find your music and running punks and just all of your endless hilarity? Uh, if you want, <laughs> so if you
2: want to hear my music, um, I used to be in a band called The Vega Bodegas, and you can hear us on Spotify. Uh, we're a cool band. We were, I think we're still going. I don't know, we haven't practiced together for a long time. Um, so I'm working on a thing called Joyce now. I think it's three songs online at the moment. I'm working on an album. Um, I'm working on a film about my life, which we'll be filming a lot more of next year. So keep an eye out for that. That should be coming out in about two years' time. Um, Running Punks on all the social media channels. Uh, just type in Running Punks. And then I'm on Twitter as Biggie Timkins, Instagram Nutbush Jimmy Limits. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can just find me and there might be some silence at the moment I'm posting much at the moment but that's I'm okay stop asking me if I'm okay I'm okay I'm just working on something which isn't social media so uh, yeah find me on there and yeah send me some wacky book recommendations
1: and my final question what does does joy mean to you
2: it's my auntie's name (laughs) it means my auntie's coming over the house Um, I think joy is when you experience something and you can't quite put it into words but other people can feel it just by looking at you or being around you I think joy is like a relay baton you pass on without realising it was in your hand in the first place that I think joy is having the perfect slice of toast and remembering the warmth in your mouth for the rest of your life
0: every song- I am so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.